Hello world and welcome to Podcast in A Minor, where I gather up the weird little songs I write and then talk about the temporary obsessions that spawn them. Or where I write new songs just so I can talk about something I find fascinating. It's like a memoir in songwriting to put a little music in your life, to cultivate the delighted mind and wallow in all of the wonders of this glorious world. Do I sound high? High on life and music, baby. And now for today's opening song. Welcome to Podcast in A Minor. I'm Amy Zollers, a poet and artist, and I'm in one of my moods. You just heard Whiskey Rhinestones on the Taylor Gemini Mini acoustic guitar. In this version, I've abandoned the key of A minor for E minor, which allows me to inject vocal emotion in the way that I hear it in my head without having to make falsetto into a federal case. And the month of October has arrived. That means a parade of spooky songs for you and me. Oh, so thrilling and chilling. Allow me to light our way with this dripping candle. While today's song is not necessarily spooky, it does reference the wandering ghost. Here a metaphor for the guy who lost his chick or maybe for the woman who left her man in order to inflict sufficient pain to fuel his drab songwriting. How romantic. Ain't that just love? So let's take that springboard and wander, ghostly, into the realm of wandering ghosts. Beginning with a poem from my own electrified corset. A wandering ghost I'll be, I'll be, determined now to do it. And if wandering in my vicinity, his head of auburn hair I see, 
I'll run ghost fingers through it. That is an amorous ghost, living by ghost rules. Human rules dictate that it is intrusive and wrong to run your fingers through the hair of the living without asking first. As confessional poet, I will say right now that one of my greatest challenges in the floppy-headed 90s was not to touch the hair belonging to boys sitting near me in my classes. Oh Lord, one day this young man who sat in front of me in sociology flat out leaned backbend style over the back of his seat to greet me, his hair almost landing in my lap, hair like honey. Lord, that was an excessive test of my personal restraint. That is the exuberance of youth. But for wandering ghosts, let us now consult once again the Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits by Rosemary Eleanor Guiley. Entry, Wandering Ghosts. See Flying Dutchman, Phantom Hitchhiker, and Phantom Travelers. Well, let's do. You probably know the Flying Dutchman from SpongeBob SquarePants, that Halloween episode where he arrives at the Krusty Krab and flies around, terrifying everyone until SpongeBob's ghost sheet flies off, revealing the scary twist. Genius. The Flying Dutchman was also, for a while in my younger days, my favorite ride at the Worlds of Fun theme park. Just a ring of cable-strung boats that lifted off the ground and sailed around in circles, gently and thrillingly all at once. I am helpless to avoid thinking of it whenever I hear the words Flying Dutchman. But the ghost legend of the Flying Dutchman is pretty empty of gentleness. Its several versions involve a phantom ship whose captain, named Von Straten, was full of pride and insisted on sailing around the Cape of Storms, now the Cape of Good Hope, at the southern tip of Africa, in the most terrible weather. Naturally, the ship sank or shattered or was otherwise lost, and as punishment, the ghost captain and his crew of dead men were doomed to sail the spot forever. Their phantom ship can be seen in stormy weather, as the story goes, and to see it is considered the worst of omens. There is a German version of the story that takes place on the North Sea, where the devil occasionally drops by to play dice with the captain, named Van Falkenberg in this legend, on the deck of the ship. The stakes are pretty high. If the captain loses, he loses his soul, which does happen at last. And in Guiley's words, the captain lost the game and his soul and became one of the phantom condemned. The Flying Dutchman is a tale of ghostly ship condemned to eternal wanderings, and there are several variations, one an opera by Richard Wagner, titled Die Fliegende Holländer. The opera is based on Heinrich Heine's version of the legend, in which the captain is allowed to go ashore every seven years and attempt to win the hand of, quote, an unsullied maiden. If he does so, he gains his redemption. And now for this. Urban legendary, a liminal space, take care, be wary, tell a story and make it scary, make it urban legendary. Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights, ask the lipstick, no on the mirror, or was it blood on the wall, oh, 
list of the year. Have you encountered the stairwell ghost and the portrait she paints on the walls? She planned her terrible fall and all for the sake of a lover. And the portraits remain so faintly. And with that, we move back into the realm of the urban legend. In Jan Harald Brunvan's 1981 book, The Vanishing Hitchhiker, he describes the legend of the title as an example of the adaptable nature of older legends into newer settings, and calls it a returning ghost tale. Let's read a few examples from the book. And this is on Vanishing Hitchhikers. The mysterious story went the rounds here last winter, and I first heard it from, quote, a friend who heard it from a friend in Chicago who had heard it from her neighbor. Mike, the cab driver, tells the story of a mysterious fare he had in early December. Cruising on a street in downtown Chicago, he picked up an elderly sister of some Catholic order and was told to take her to Blank Street. He had his radio on, and they talked about Pearl Harbor for a while. She said, it won't last more than four months. Then they drove on and Mike drew up at the address. Jumping out to open the cab door, he was surprised to find no one there. Afraid the little old lady jumped her fare, he hastened to inquire at the address. It was a convent, and when questioned by the superior in charge, Mike told of the sister who had disappeared and hadn't paid her fare. What did she look like, the superior asked and explained that no sister from the convent had been downtown that day. As Mike described her, he happened to look at a picture hanging on the wall behind the superior's desk. That's her, Mike said, and thought to himself that he would get the fare after all. But the mother superior smiled quietly and said, but she has been dead for 10 years. In a San Francisco variation of the tale collected the following year, the cab driver recognizes his passenger in a life-size statue of the Blessed Virgin, while in some Kingston, New York versions, the passenger was identified as Mother Cabrini, the first American citizen canonized as a Catholic saint. About eight years later, versions of the, quote, prophesying passenger subtype of the legend associated with the Century of Progress exposition of 1933 to 1934 appeared in the Chicago area. This one from Joliet, Illinois, 1933, is typical. People in an automobile going to the Century of Progress Exposition in Chicago are hailed by a woman with a traveling bag standing by the roadside. They invite her to ride and she gets into the car, but her face is dark and they are unable to see it clearly. She gets into conversation and tells them that the fair in Chicago is going to slide off into Lake Michigan in September. She gives them her address in Chicago and invites them to call there. When they turn around to speak to her, they cannot find her. She has disappeared. They go to the address and meet a man. Usually it is the woman's husband. After he has heard the story, he says, yes, that was my wife. She died four years ago. Again, proving folklore's constant variability, the prophesying passenger tale acquired a new and more accurate form of proof, which has been dubbed the corpse in the car. And as this typical report published in the San Francisco Chronicle, 1942, shows 
The vanishing motif then itself vanishes from the story. Another possibility is that the corpse in the car is a separate legend, which has merged with the vanishing hitchhiker. And the typical vanishing hitchhiker tale has uh, the basic elements of the one in story A. I have read stories, I think, E and F. Well, this happened to one of my girlfriend's best friends and her father. They were driving along a country road on their way home from the cottage when they saw a young girl hitchhiking. They stopped and picked her up and she got in the back seat. She told the girl and her father that she just lived in the house about five miles up the road. She didn't say anything after that, but just turned to watch out the window. When the father saw the house, he drove up to it and turned around to tell the girl they had arrived, but she wasn't there. Both he and his daughter were really mystified and decided to knock on the door and tell the people what had happened. They told them that they had once had a daughter who answered the description of the girl they supposedly had picked up, but she had disappeared some years ago and had been seen last hitchhiking on this very road. Today would have been her birthday. This version has the basic elements, not necessarily original ones, well-known in oral tradition and occasionally reported in newspapers since the early 1930s. So that is The Vanishing Hitchhiker. There have been, I know there was an episode of Happy Days about it. I think the story I always heard told was that there was a teenage girl hitchhiking in cold weather, dressed without a coat. She is either taken home from a dance or she is picked up hitchhiking. And then she is telling, in Happy Days, she's dancing with the Fonz all night. And then he goes to take her home. And as in the version I heard, they get to her house. She is no longer in the back seat, or he discovers she's not in the back seat and goes to the address, knocks on the door. Of course, it's cold weather. He's given her his coat to wear to keep her warm. He gets to the house and knocks on the door. The mother says, That was my daughter. She died five or ten years ago, or whatever. And um, or the address that the hitchhiker gives is the cemetery. Or the boyfriend or the you know young man goes and checks the cemetery, finds her grave, and there is his jacket draped over the headstone. Spooky. That is the vanishing hitchhiker in some variations. The examples of vanishing hitchhiker stories in the uh, book The Vanishing Hitchhiker by Jan Harold Brunvant. They're labeled with letters beginning with letter A and going through letter O. Fifteen tales in all gathered by Brunvant in 1981 or for 1981. As wandering ghost tales go, I urge you to listen to the latest, that is October 4th, 2021, episode of the podcast, None of This is Real, for Domini's spooky telling of a category of Japanese ghosts, a yokai tale of Ubume. Ubume appear on dark rainy nights, haunting areas near the site of their deaths, which occurred before, during, or shortly after giving birth. The spirit has a troubled attachment to the child and cannot move on to the next world. Yokai.com slash Ubume provides details about variations in the stories associated with different burial rituals in different places. The site, and none of this is real, provide the ghost's variety of tragic and at times horrifying manifestations. Both are definitely worth checking out. And now onward to Phantom Travelers. Love, wonder.
travelers can be the ghosts of humans or animals. They are said to haunt travel routes, stations, and vehicles. According to Rosemary Ellen Guiley, they are universal in folklore, connected to tragedies that occurred amid travel. Some sightings are documented as early as the 1600s in Europe. While phantom travelers can haunt in the form of sounds, lights, sensations, and smells, Guiley gives a wonderful example of a sighting told by Lord Halifax, lived between 1839 and 1934 for context, a collector of ghost tales of Great Britain. Lord Halifax, who collected ghost tales of Britain, recorded one tale of a phantom traveler who rode the rails as a passenger. The account was given him by the nephew of a man, Colonel Ewart, who claimed to have encountered the spectral woman. Once on the train from Carlisle to London, Ewart secured a compartment by himself and dozed off. He awoke feeling stiff and strange and suddenly noticed that a woman in black was seated opposite him. Her face was obscured by a black veil and she seemed to be looking at something on her lap, though nothing was visible. Ewart spoke to her, but she did not respond. She began to rock back and forth and sing a soft lullaby. However, there was no child with her. Before Ewart could probe further, the train screeched and crashed into something. Ewart was knocked unconscious by a flying suitcase. When he came to, he left the train and ascertained that the accident was not serious. He then remembered the woman in black and returned to the compartment, but she was gone and was nowhere to be found. No one he questioned had seen her. In fact, Ewart was told that his compartment had been locked after he entered it, as was customary, and no one had gone in after him. Months later, Ewart was told by a railway official that the woman in black was a ghost who haunted the line. According to legend, she and her bridegroom had been traveling on the train when he stuck his head too far out the window and was decapitated by a wire. The headless body fell into the young woman's lap. When the train arrived in London, she was found sitting in the compartment, holding the corpse and singing a lullaby to it. She never regained her sanity and died several months later. Whoa, tragic and marvelously horrifying. Well, that was short. You'll have to forgive me. I've begun my illustrious career as a substitute teacher. This in addition to my duties as artist, poet, podcaster, clay worker, home cook, person in charge of changing the cat litter and driving the recyclables to their destination, etc. I am currently illustrating ghost stories for an upcoming collection of mine titled Glitter and Ghosts with Stories and Poems that are spooky. And I can hopefully have that ready before October is too far gone. Keep an eye out for it on my Amazon author page. Link in the show notes. Get in touch at podcastaminer at gmail.com. Check out Instagram at podcast.in.a.minor for videos of the songs and pertinent photos and or artwork. Artwork is available for purchase at www.hypnosandoutrage.etsy.com. Books of my poetry and art are available on Amazon. Search Amy Zollers or follow the link in the show notes. And catch live streaming poetry talk and poetry reading every month. Cake and Hyperbole, first Saturday each month, 2 p.m. Central on YouTube. Third Sunday Poetry is on the third Sunday each month, 2 p.m. Central on Instagram at hypnus underscore and underscore outrage. Both of these shows are me, along with the poet and horror writer Angela Eureka Smith, winner of two Stoker Awards.
So thank you for joining me and see you next time. Masta, masta, the Encyclopedia Neurotica. It's my rule in the plan. I must, and I must, and I must.